Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Russia continues with its missile strikes today after killing 19 in Ukraine yesterday. What the G7 nations vowed to do and what the White House says about Russia's nuclear threats. Former 2020 presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard is leaving the Democratic Party. She partly blames President Joe Biden. Colorado sent 30,000 voter registration notices to non-citizens. The state's official response says it's due to human error and a database glitch, but this isn't the first time it's happened. Twitter suspends the account of an outspoken critic of COVID vaccines. What the cardiologist says the public should be concerned about. And a death row inmate who admitted to killing nine members of a black congregation appealed his death sentence. What he asked the Supreme Court and how it responded. In a Tuesday filing to the Supreme Court, the Justice Department urged the court to reject a request from former President Trump to intervene in the dispute over classified documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. The department argued that the records were extraordinarily sensitive and cautioned that disclosure of the documents could jeopardize national security. They asked the court to uphold a federal court order that blocks the special master from reviewing more than 100 documents marked classified. The court is expected to review the matter in the coming days. And President Biden meets with G7 leaders as Russian missiles are hitting Ukraine for a second day. We have details on what leaders are vowing to do and the latest on Russia's nuclear threats. Sirens sounding across the country. After 19 deaths on Monday, Russia continues to attack key infrastructure in Ukraine with missile strikes. And G7 leaders holding an emergency virtual meeting on Tuesday condemn Russia's latest attacks and vow to hold Russia accountable, possibly for the war crime of attacking civilians. They also warn that, quote, any use of nuclear weapons by Russia would be met with severe consequences. Fears over a nuclear war are growing after President Biden last week warned of a nuclear Armageddon. But Russia on Tuesday rejected such speculation, saying nuclear weapons would be used only if Russia faces an existential threat. But the White House says... We can't just take their word for it. So that's why we're continuing to monitor their nuclear capabilities as best we can. We still have seen no indication that Mr. Putin has decided to use weapons of mass destruction or nuclear weapons at all at any level. NATO also said Tuesday that it hadn't seen any changes in Russia's nuclear posture. But we remain vigilant. Russia knows that the nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. Meanwhile, as missile strikes continue, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is asking G7 countries for more air defense systems. He also refuses to talk to Putin. There can be no dialogue with this leader of Russia, who has no future. He himself rejected the dialogue. The White House said Tuesday that the U.S. is trying to get more air defenses to Ukraine as soon as it can. Reporting by Iris Tao, NTD News. Former 2020 presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard is leaving the Democratic Party. She made the announcement in the first broadcast of her new podcast today. 
NTD's Arlene Richards reports. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party. It's now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness. After serving for 20 years in the Democratic Party, Tulsi Gabbard said in her first podcast of The Tulsi Gabbard Show, she wasn't inspired by the Democratic Party anymore. Gabbard said she was leaving the party and explained why. Who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. Who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms enshrined in our Constitution. And who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality. Gabbard served four terms in Congress, retiring in 2021. She dropped out of the 2020 race for president and supported candidate Joe Biden. But in recent months, Gabbard has vocally criticized President Biden. She told Fox News the president is a threat to democracy. It's clear that through his speech, through his actions and policies, he cares more about power than he does about the freedom and well-being of the American people. And he's Gabbard said she joined the Democratic Party because I was drawn to the ideals of a big tent inclusive Democratic Party that stood up for working men and women. She now calls on other independent-minded Democrats to join her in leaving the party. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. And over in Los Angeles, a Democratic councilwoman is taking leave of absence amid calls for her to resign. This comes after leaked recordings reveal that she made racially charged remarks. The councilwoman, Nuri Martinez, said, quote, This has been one of the most difficult times of my life, and I recognize this is entirely of my own making. She says she will take some time to have an honest and heartfelt conversation with her family, constituents, and community leaders. Her recordings were released over the weekend. In one, she used the term little monkey to describe the black son of a white council member. She also said the council member handled his son as if he were an accessory. She made the remarks during a closed-door conversation at the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor in October 2021. The president of the federation, Ron Herrera, resigned Monday over the scandal. And Colorado sent 30,000 voter registration notices to non-citizens this week. The Democratic Secretary of State now says it was a mistake. The Office of Colorado's Secretary of State says it mistakenly sent postcards to about 30,000 non-citizens, encouraging them to register to vote. They're blaming it on human error and a database glitch. It appears they sent the postcards to people with driver licenses who weren't registered to vote. Colorado gives driver licenses to non-citizens, so their names appeared in the cross-check. A spokesperson for Secretary of State Jenna Griswold reportedly said, the office is undertaking an internal review of the incident and will take any corrective action that is warranted. The news comes as Griswold seeks re-election in the November midterms, facing Republican Pam Anderson. Colorado's Republican Party issued a statement Monday saying something similar has happened under Jenna Griswold's failed leadership before and coincidentally, right before an election. In 2020, Griswold's office was called out by then-Colorado GOP Chairman Ken Buck for sending taxpayer-funded postcards to dead people and non-citizens, encouraging them to register to vote so they can cast ballots. Griswold's office says non-citizens won't be able to register to vote if they try. The office says it's not aware of anyone who received a postcard in error and tried to register. Colorado's Republican Party says there could have been legal repercussions for those non-citizens who received a postcard from Griswold and chose to trust her advice and try to register to vote. They would have been liable, not Griswold. That's concerning. 
The consequences for non-citizens trying to register to vote in the U.S. are severe and can include deportation. However, in January 2019, Pennsylvania identified over 11,000 non-citizens registered to vote, and Texas identified about 95,000. The Supreme Court has ruled that Pennsylvania doesn't have to count mail-in ballots if there isn't a date on the envelope. The decision vacates a previous ruling by a court of appeals. The case centers around David Ritter, an unsuccessful Republican candidate for county judge. Ritter lost his 2021 bid after just over 250 mail-in ballots that didn't have dates were counted. The Supreme Court also overturned the ruling that allowed the county to count those ballots. It doesn't change Ritter's loss in the race, but it does mean that it can't be used as a precedent. Three states could have done so, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Now, they can't use it as an example to approve the counting of ballots with minor flaws, such as the voter failing to fill in the date. Now, conservative commentator and venture capitalist J.D. Vance and Democrat Representative Tim Ryan battled on Monday. The two Ohio Senate candidates met for a televised debate. NTD's Daniel Monahan has that story. Vance, a Republican, and Ryan, a Democrat, faced off on various topics such as inflation, abortion, Russia's war on Ukraine, China, and law enforcement. Vance is the author of Hard Knocks memoir, Hillbilly Elegy. Ryan attended high school in Warren, Ohio, where he played football as a quarterback and later coached junior high basketball. Ryan, who was once against abortion, pledged to try and codify legal access to it. He called the overturning of Roe versus Wade. The largest governmental overreach in the history of our lifetime. Complete violation of personal freedom and liberty of women in this state. When asked if he would support a 15-week national abortion ban, Vance acknowledged that he is pro-life but believes a minimum national standard is appropriate. He then made reference to second trimester abortions legal in many states. We're talking about five-month-old babies, fully formed babies who can feel pain. No civilized country in the world allows elective abortion that late in pregnancy. I don't think the United States should be an exception. On inflation, Vance accused the Biden administration of mismanagement and Ryan of voting for those policies. Simultaneously, they've borrowed and spent trillions of dollars that we just don't have, and that's thrown fuel on the flyer, fire of the inflation problem. He continued that the administration has also gone to war against America's energy sector and concluded that those are each bad ideas, but when done together, have resulted in record inflation. Ryan countered that Vance has played his own role in the economic woes as a venture capitalist. The problem we're having now with inflation is our supply chains all went to China. And guys like him have made a lot of money off that. Meanwhile, Trump endorsed J.D. Vance accused Ryan of not doing enough to prevent illegal migration. He called attention to the rape of an 11-year-old who sought an abortion in Indiana. According to Vance, the girl was assaulted by an illegal alien who should never have been here. He accused Ryan of voting against funding to protect the border. When asked about how the U.S. should respond if Russia's Putin started a nuclear war in Ukraine, Ryan called for an aggressive response while Vance called for a de-escalation of the conflict. The 2022 midterm elections will be held on Tuesday, November 8th. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The Supreme Court today declined to review a convicted murderer's appeal. In 2017, white supremacist and neo-Nazi Dylan Roof admitted to killing nine members of a black South Carolina congregation. A panel of appellate judges previously upheld Roof's conviction and death sentence. On appeal, he asked the Supreme Court to determine how disputes between defendants and attorneys over mental illness-related evidence should be handled. 
Roof had fired his attorneys during the sentencing phase of his trial and represented himself in the case. He then attempted to block evidence showing he was mentally ill. Roof was deemed competent to stand trial, but his former attorneys believed the evidence could have helped him avoid the death penalty. The Supreme Court didn't give a reason for rejecting the appeal. Twitter blocked and then over the weekend restored a post by Florida's Surgeon General warning about COVID vaccines. It comes on the heels of another medical doctor having his account suspended on Twitter. Dr. Peter McCullough has questioned the efficacy and safety of COVID-19 vaccines, and now he's appealing to Twitter to reinstate his account. We haven't yet had a response from Twitter on this, but I did speak with Dr. McCullough earlier today. Dr. McCullough, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You've been outspoken about the COVID vaccines since the beginning. Why do you think Twitter suspended your account now? You know, we had some signs that something was happening at Twitter. Many account users did uh, earlier last week. Uh, there were thousands of uh, followers uh, subtracted then added. This uh, was on the heels of the announcement that Elon Musk, his purchase of Twitter was back on. Then Thursday, October 6th, with, um, uh, with really no uh, previous warnings, Twitter had subtracted all the uh, 512,000 followers out of my account. I was shocked. I was getting texts and emails. And then later on, my account was suspended. So my tech and legal teams got involved. Uh, we, we, Twitter wouldn't let me download my data. Uh, and I had thousands of uh, peer-reviewed papers, manuscripts, scientific videos on. Uh, and so now we're in a, a discussion with Twitter on uh, and getting my account uh, reestablished and everything restored. And this follows a trend, right? Over the weekend, Twitter also pulled down a post about vaccine safety from Florida's Surgeon General. In your view, what's the potential risk to the public here? You know, we've relied on Twitter, which is the biggest social media platform, uh, in order to get quickly scientific information out uh, and, and carefully cite it and reference it. That's what I do. Uh, America's grown to know my style. I'm just precision on the science uh, so people can actually evaluate it for themselves. Uh, but Twitter is clearly trying to shape the narrative and now data from uh, American First Legal through, uh, through the FOIA mechanism has found that Twitter's been meeting with the CDC uh, to craft this false narrative. In terms of the misinformation terminology here, when it comes to scientific studies, what do you think, for example, of the study the Surgeon General posted that was taken down? It found that 84 uh, percent, it found that there was an 84 percent increase in cardiac related deaths among men 18 to 29 within 28 days of getting an mRNA COVID vaccine. It's true. You know, that's cohesive with what we know. It's actually ages 18 to 39. Uh, but in our best cardiology journal, Circulation, a paper appeared by Patone and colleagues demonstrating 100 proven fatal cases of myocarditis. Fatal cases. This is on the heels of papers by uh, Gill, by uh, Choi, and uh, Verma, all describing in the literature that COVID-19 has autopsy-proven fatal cases of myocarditis. Bohmeyer in Germany has found the spike protein in the heart after vaccination. Uh, and now this report from Florida, it's all cohesive. 
COVID-19 vaccines lead to fatal myocarditis. Twitter reportedly hasn't explained why the study findings would be misinformation, but they have reinstated the post. As a scientist, what role do you think platforms like Twitter should have in arbitrating the truth? Sure, Twitter should play no role in trying to arbitrate truth. In my view, Twitter is a common carrier. It's no different than any other common communication carrier. Uh, they should probably follow FCC communication rules that deal with profanity and nudity. Uh, I don't want to see uh, pornography on Twitter. Right now, they allow that. Um, I think Twitter ought to clean up its act with respect to uh, these aspects of social media. But the presentation of scientific data, critical evolving information on early treatment, uh, as well as safety and efficacy of any product, uh, that should never be touched by Twitter. Because by doing so, Twitter is harming people. They're actually committing acts that will result in harm, mass harm to the public. If people want to follow you, where can they find you now? Well, you know, like the uh, Star Wars movie where Darth Vader strikes down Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, I've arisen even more powerful than I was before. I started a Substack, which is now wildly popular just within a few days. You can follow me on my website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com, uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio, The McCullough Report, uh, and then through, uh, through my website, get to me with uh, Getter, uh, True Social, and the other social media platforms. Um, I'm hoping that I'll, uh, you know, convince Twitter uh, to get on the right side of history here, restore my account. Uh, clearly, there's nothing in the Twitter rules to say that they can drain all the followers off someone's account. Uh, they're clearly in the wrong on this. Hopefully, they'll see this and rapidly restore my account. All right, all the best to you, Dr. Peter McCullough, cardiologist and author of The Courage to Face COVID-19. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Pfizer didn't know if its COVID-19 vaccine would stop transmission before it entered the market. An executive said on Monday that it hadn't been tested. Rob Roos, a member of the European Parliament, posted the exchange on Twitter today. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now, this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Pfizer hasn't publicly commented on the exchange. The FDA wrote in late 2020 that there was no data available to determine whether the vaccine would prevent transmission. And around the same time, the CEO of Pfizer also said his company was not certain if those who receive its mRNA vaccine would be able to transmit COVID-19 to other people. A number of officials in the U.S. and around the world have claimed COVID-19 vaccines could prevent transmission, including President Biden. And coming up, a group of Chinese Christians who fled China may soon be deported back to China. Now they're calling on the U.S. to help so they won't be persecuted for their faith. That and more on NTD News.
Over in Thailand, a group of about 60 Christians who fled China are calling on the U.S. government for help. They may soon be deported back to China, where they could face persecution for their faith. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. A group of about 60 Chinese Christians fled China around three years ago to escape religious persecution from the communist regime. According to the Christian Post, the group fled the communist country after one of their church pastors was arrested and sentenced to nine years in prison for subversion of state power. The group first fled to South Korea to seek asylum but was unsuccessful. A member of the Shenzhen Holy Reformed Church, now called the Mayflower Church, spoke with KLTV while they were in South Korea. The Chinese government persecuted us because of our beliefs. They don't allow us to congregate, and they don't allow our kids to go to school in our church. The group then reportedly fled to Thailand to reduce their chances of being kidnapped by undercover Chinese agents. You know, the Chinese government has been persecuting Christians for, for a very long time. Uh, and it's not just Christians, but other faiths, including Falun Gong, Muslims, Buddhists. I spoke with the prime minister of the East Turkestan government in exile. East Turkestan is also called Xinjiang. It's home to the Uyghurs, a mostly Muslim ethnic group who the Chinese Communist Party is committing a genocide against. The Chinese government, especially the Communist Party, feels that all religions are a threat to its power. And I would, I, I, hopefully it doesn't happen, but... Um, it wouldn't be a surprise if Thailand uh, deported uh, these Christians back to China. Meanwhile, the founder of Freedom Seekers International, Dina Brown, posted a video to Facebook in September saying she was with a Chinese family that couldn't escape with the other members of the Mayflower Church. She didn't specify their whereabouts. I've been with them for three weeks because an American presence uh, protects them from the threat of severe Chinese treatment. I fly out Sunday and am replaced by other Americans as uh, they try to provide some protection here and I'll go into Washington DC to debrief about the situation. We continue working with the State Department and are praying that they will find a way to be able to resettle this small church to Texas where our organization is set up and ready to help them resettle. Jason Perry, NTD News. Actress Angela Lansbury, the star of the mystery series Murder, She Wrote, has died. She was 96 years old. Her children said she died peacefully in her sleep at home in Los Angeles this morning. It's just five days shy of her 97th birthday. Lansbury made her film debut in 1944 with the movie Gaslight, and it got her an Oscar nomination. The actress has won five Tony Awards throughout her career and one honorary Oscar in 2013. She achieved her greatest fame with Murder, She Wrote when she was in her 60s. And in sports news, former NFL great Brett Favre breaks his silence saying he's done nothing wrong. He's embroiled in a scandal regarding welfare funds diverted from the state of Mississippi. According to Mississippi State Auditors, $77 million were illegally diverted away from a welfare program called Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. The state is suing 38 companies and people in an attempt to recoup $24 million, according to a report by Mississippi Today. Six people have been arrested in the case so far. Five have pleaded guilty. NFL star Brett Favre's alma mater, Southern Miss, reportedly received $5 million of the intended welfare money. 
It went to building a volleyball facility while his daughter was on the team. Favre was paid $1.1 million for university fundraising speeches he never made, according to the lawsuit. Favre said, quote, After I found out the money I was paid for fundraising radio spots came from federal welfare funds, I returned all of it. The state, however, is suing him for the interest he accrued of $228,000. Favre says he's been unjustly smeared. No one ever told me, and I did not know, that funds designated for welfare recipients were going to the university or me. I tried to help my alma mater, USM, a public Mississippi State University, raise funds for a wellness center. My goal was and always will be to improve the athletic facilities at my university. Favre has not been criminally charged. Reporting by NTD's Dave Martin. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to all those who've been emailing us with your thoughts and comments. We do appreciate it. For everyone else, you can also reach us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Until tomorrow, I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.